from WDBM East Lansing. This is City Pulse on the Air. Joining you now, your Editor-in-Chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz. Hello, this is Arts Editor Skylar Ashley handling hosting duties in place of publisher Burl Schwartz. Lansing has been rife with live music gigs lately. There's a show going down every weekend at the Avenue Cafe, and we just had the Damn Jam Festival over at the Fish Ladder, and more and more keep coming. That includes Pumpstock, an annual music festival dedicated to roots music and Americana. It was unfortunately canceled last year due to the pandemic, but this year it's coming back with a roster of acts from around the country. Reporter Cole Tunningly talked to Smitty Smith, one of the concert's key organizers, about what you have to look forward to at Pumpstock 2021. Smitty Smith is one of the organizers and founders of Pumpstock, a roots music festival that takes place each year in East Lansing. It's been going strong for 11 years now. Unfortunately, last year, due to the pandemic, they had to cancel. I asked Smith how it felt to miss out on this yearly tradition. Well, I mean, it sucked, obviously. Um, We had it planned. I had musicians booked because that sort of thing, the booking and whatnot, usually happens in the winter. And um, everything was said, and then, you know, March happened, and it was like, oh, well, okay, I don't know, maybe. And then April, and I don't, I forget exactly when we pulled the plug, but it was April or May when, you know, just was obvious that things were not going to be happening over the summer. Mm-hmm. There, there was this period of, it'll be okay, it'll be okay. It's going to, no, no, it's, it's bad now, but it's going to get better. And then very rapidly in the spring, it changed to, no, it's not getting better that quick. And so the musicians all understood it is, you know, and, and this year's lineup is uh, several of them are the same musicians we had booked last summer. I mean, the first option was rebook them because mm-hmm. we missed out. Yeah, that makes sense. And I definitely yeah. remember that period where we weren't quite sure how long it would last or how serious yeah. it was going to be. And I know. It's, anyhow, it's been a lot of uncertainty the past year and a half. This August, the festival makes its triumphant return. After a full year of virtual concerts or no concerts at all, Smith is just glad to be back. He's hoping that other people are just as pumped as he is. Missing out on a year of live performances was painful and dull. Well, in a very basic sense, just excited to have live music, you know, in anywhere, really. I mean, that's sort of just come back the last couple of months. And, um, so even though we normally do this in June, we're doing it in August this year, it'll be good to have it done um, or to, to, to do it and, and just to see the neighborhood together. And I'd say probably about half of our audience is from the immediate vicinity of Bailey Park and East Lansing and a good number of people walk, haul their kids in wagons and whatnot, come make a day out of it, have a picnic, whatever. So it'll be good to see everybody together like that. Pumpstock wouldn't exist without the help of volunteers and assistance from the city of East Lansing. For a Roots Festival, it just makes sense that it's a labor of love. No one expects to make a profit, even the musicians gracing the stages. Smith does his part and leaves the rest in the hands of volunteers. We've kind of settled into a bit of a formula. So, um, you know, I kind of know the tasks to step through and just get things done on time. and, And then it's all volunteers nobody gets paid anything we we have very few extent excuse me expenses 
Uh, the stage is donated by the city of East Lansing. The city doesn't charge us to use the park. The tents that we make the green room and the merchandise tent out of are donated by friends. The stage tent is donated by a friend. The generators, we don't have electricity in the park. The generators are donated by people who come to the festival. Uh, so very, very few expenses. And after we pay off those few expenses, all the donations go to the musicians. We don't keep any money, start out at zero every year. And um, th that has a lot to do with being able to sign the kind of acts we do. They kind of accept a, a lower guarantee than they might because a, they like they like the atmosphere and they you know they like pump house concerts which has been going on for a long time in that that atmosphere and and uh, they're willing to accept the lower guarantee to play this great festival because there's a pretty good chance that they'll make a lot more than that. If you plan on attending Pump Stock, expect an exquisitely chill experience. It's a day to celebrate your love of Americana, stroll around East Lansing, and let the folky tunes wash right over you. Uh, it's very laid back. And friendly. Um, a lot of the people in the audience know each other. Um, the musicians are accessible. They're not, you know, we have a green room, but they tend to be out front and people can talk to them and there's a little bit of food and dogs are welcome. Which a lot of these bigger music festivals don't want dogs because it can be a hassle, but this is kind of like bring your kids, bring your dogs, bring your friends, and uh, everybody has a lot of fun. It's a really nice day. Not everyone is into Roots music or knows what it's all about. This is what Smith has to say to people who aren't in the know. You know, you might imagine some popular musicians that perform with bands uh, in the kind of Americana or singer-songwriter vein, like, uh, you know, everybody knows Lyle Lovett, right? He writes great songs. He's got a huge band. He's very popular. Everybody knows Jason Isbell, He's a great songwriter has a great band. Um, imagine them playing either by themselves or maybe with one other musician. And of course the people we bring in are not as famous as those two, but that style of music and that energy and, and the quality, frankly, of songwriting is pretty similar. And they'll come play solo or duo. We have bands also sometimes of people who do that kind of music. Not, you know, Jason Isbell rocks a little bit, right? It's not all like that. Uh, but it's that kind of energy and style and focus on the songwriting more than anything else. Among the acts playing the festival this year are Lansing favorites, the Dangling Participles, Gaines and Wagner from Wisconsin, and Nathan Bell, who typically only performs in Europe. Smith also booked a Grammy award-winning songwriter. We, we have uh, Dan Navarro as one of our musicians this year. Dan's played at Pump House concerts actually quite a few times. Um, he's from California. He was nominated for a Grammy Award because he wrote a song called We Belong, which was recorded by Pat Benatar and was very famous. Pat Benatar sold, you know, a million records, whatever, for We Belong. Dan Navarro is a guy who wrote that. Not a lot of people realize that. So a lot of these people have written songs that popular or famous artists have performed and the songs associated with the artists that everybody's heard perform it. Now you get to hear the writer of the song perform it, which is kind of a special thing. It's more the way it was born, the way it was envisioned. Pumpstock has always stayed true to its roots. Over its 11 year history, the festival has been committed to staying homegrown and down to earth. That's just the way that Smith likes to run things. When I asked him what's changed about Pumpstock since its beginning, he told me, not much. Uh, well, you know, the first one we 
had this tiny little PA that really wasn't enough for the park. Um, we did not have a second stage. So when we changed out the axe on the first stage, the, the main stage, it was just silence. I introduced all the acts and did all the speaking from the stage, which just gets to be too much because I'm running around, you know, with a lot of behind the scene details. So now we have um, a stage announcer and that's worked really well. And um, more people come, you know, we had, I don't know, a little less than 200 the first year. If, if the weather's good, we'll have 300 this year. But in reality, after about four or five years, it hasn't really grown or changed a whole lot we like the format the neighborhood likes the format six hours that's enough time people sometimes ask well you're going to add a second day you're going to add no this is this is good for what it is and we don't want to be Lollapalooza. we don't really want to be bliss fest you know those are great places and, and go there to to camp out and stay for several days and schlag in the mud and and you know all that stuff this is just this is a regional neighborhood focused one day uh, afternoon in the park. Smith understands that some people might be wary about attending a music festival. With COVID still floating around, folks have completely understandable reasons for remaining cautious. Smith has taken steps to make sure that those people can still enjoy the festival from the comfort of their own homes. Well, I mean, we plan in the interest of uh, accessibility to live stream this year. I think we've never done that before. Um, and uh, I mean, I know a little bit about it, but I'm going to learn a lot and we'll get that done. I think, you know, some people might not be comfortable coming out yet. Some people might be immune compromised or whatever the reason that, that they can't come, we'll live stream it so they can still enjoy it. And if they want to donate, we'll have a PayPal site and all that sort of stuff. Um, and the other thing is, you know, we're going to do what we need to do to make it safe and follow any uh, logical and required uh, COVID best practices and so on and so forth. And other than that, come on out and uh, have a great afternoon with your friends that maybe you haven't seen enough in the last year and a half. The festival begins at 2 p.m. August 21st at Bailey Park in East Lansing. You can find out more information on the Pumpstock Facebook page. For City Pulse, I'm Cole Tunnigling. Thanks, Cole. You're listening to City Pulse on the air on 88.9 FM, The Impact. For today's show, I got in touch with Adam Jerosha, a singer-songwriter who performs as Two-Faced Wilson. Adam is also a talented writer and poet. His work has been permanently etched into a city block, thanks to the Lansing Sidewalk Poetry Project, and he's done reporting for the County Journal a community-centric newspaper based in Charlotte. I spoke with Adam about his path as a musician and the forthcoming Two-Faced Wilson EP he's currently working on in Detroit. So I'm here with Adam Jerosha, a singer-songwriter-guitarist who performs across the state under the name Two-Faced Wilson. He's also dabbled in both journalism and creative writing, um, two things that we'll get into later. But uh, first up for now, Tell me how you got your start as a musician. Um, what really inspired you to first pick up a guitar? Um, well, music had always kind of been in my life and in my orbit. Uh, my mom was a musician. I grew up in church. There was always music around. Um, but uh, when I picked up a guitar, 
I was like a freshman in high school and I had already been playing drums with a few people and was like really enticed by songwriting. I had done a little bit of lyric writing for things that never materialized and uh, figured I could write songs a lot better if I actually had an instrument with like, you know, melody and harmony capabilities and uh, asked for a guitar for Christmas one year and that was kind of how it started. And then I just, I, I started writing songs as soon as I learned my first chords. Mm -hmm. um, what, what were some of your major influences in the beginning? Um, obviously songwriting is, uh, sounds like more of your focus than just shredding. Um, who, uh, who really informed your style? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, there was, there are several, um, I think the Arctic Monkeys was the first band that really, I, that was the first band I think I really listened to and I was like, oh, I can, I can do that. And I really wanted to do that. Um, but, you know, I was really influenced by Led Zeppelin and Jet and a lot of, Jack White's projects, but um, also like guys like John Mayer, but uh, you know, groups like, groups and people like Sam Beam of Iron and Wine, um, uh, Ben Gibbard of mm. um, Death Cab for Cutie and groups and people like that just were really influential on me when I started, so. Some of those have changed a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. as, at that moment. Um, Two-Faced Wilson, which I hesitate to just call straight blues rock, because um, obviously there's a lot of um, underlying influences, such as the ones that you just mentioned, that give it a kind of a indie garage edge to it. So it's not just, you know, straight traditional blues, but that's been uh, your primary project for the past several years. Um, how did all of that come together? And since those first early days, how has it evolved? You know, give me a bit of a rundown of the history of your group. Yeah. Um, so when I got to college, I, you know, didn't have a band and wasn't really interested in forming one. Um, but I was still writing songs. And when I got to college was when I, I was really coming up with, uh, especially more folk Americana uh, driven songs that I was really happy with. So I was still writing songs and I, I usually heard arrangements to everything as in like, you know, full band arrangements. Um, so I would just take them down. Uh, I kind of kept a loose list. And then, uh, you know, by like my sophomore, junior year of college, I'd come home and I'd hang out with my friends who were musicians and we would jam on some of the songs and then we would get gigs. And that was really how Two-Faced Wilson as my sort of solo project with this mixed bag of circulating musicians kind of started. Um, 
part of that was just like not being able to have a consistent band. I do like band dynamics. Um, but you know, it can, you know, you have a band. It can be really hard to keep consensus and keep like consistency of musicians. And uh, the fun thing about how Two-Faced Wilson has worked out is that I've been able to hear the music with a lot of different lineups and different feels and different grooves. Um, Two-Faced Wilson has been performing as rock and roll and, you know, heavy blues for the last two years. But, you know, I have more, just as much and more folk, indie folk, Americana type stuff as I do blues and rock and roll. So I've really gotten to hear this just spread of different versions of the songs because of, uh, you know, like I said, just that circulating group of musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, you stay busy by booking gigs on a consistent basis throughout the year. Um, and like you just mentioned, some of those shows are just you with an acoustic guitar. Um, Two-Faced Wilson uh, kind of has two versions, you know, the solo softer stuff. And then, you know, you have electric versions of those songs as well. But um, what have been some of the favorite shows that you've played over the past couple of years? Um, what's yeah. really stood out to you? Do you have any favorite venues or towns to play in? Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, that's great. Um, so we've, I've been playing with a drummer, Brian Knickerbocker for the last couple of years. And um, he and I, you know, sort of loosely pairing up was sort of what got Two-Faced Wilson playing rock and roll and blues more consistently. And we have a home base sort of venue in Battle Creek called the Music Factory. And, um, you know, we've, it's good to have places like that. And I'm sure you probably feel the same way as like, it's nice to have a venue that knows you well and like the management or owners and staff know you well, where like, if you really botch a set, they, you know, you still walk down and they like, give you a pat on the back and they, you know, hand you a $20 bill or something. And we've, we've had every version of our set that we could possibly have playing at the music factory. You know, we've had nights with good crowds and like we did our set really well. And we've had nights where we had technical issues and it just, you know, it's, it sucked. So that's been, a place that we've played at a lot in the last couple of years, um, place we're happy to support that they, you know, they support us. Um, as far as like just shows we've done that have been really good, uh, early 2020, February, this was February, really even before COVID was a twinkle in the eye. There, you, we really weren't hearing anything about it. We played at the Crowfoot Ballroom in Pontiac, and that was just a great, great show. There was some really great bands and acts that played there, a couple that we still regularly play with, um, of Saints and Scoundrels from uh, Mishawaka, Indiana. We still play with them on a pretty regular basis, and uh, we met Kayla Drange there. Uh, so we just met some cool people there and we just had a great set. We were with it. Um, 
we got some good recordings on it that are on YouTube. That's just one that sticks out in my mind, not just because it was a big venue, but you know, things just went well there. Um, another one probably is just really recently was, uh, we did a set at uh, uh, the Branky Fish Ladder in Lansing for Lansing 501's Dam Jam. And they've done this like sort of small music festival a couple of times, but mm -hmm. I just... saw I saw the photos from that. You guys were, you know, right in there in the concrete yeah. and the water. Um, yeah, please yeah. tell me more about that. That looked uh, very fascinating based on the photos that yeah. were posted. Yeah, you know, I've I had played Dam Jam before, but it was it was a year where they had it like spread all along the river, all of these bands and acts, and only a couple got to play in the fish ladder, but you know, like knowing that and just walking by it on the river trail, you know, it is set up like a little amphitheater and with the stage at the bottom. And it's just, it's a cool space. I always love walking by there and thinking that would be really cool to play down there sometime. And uh, it was just great. The sound was there. Um, it has its own ambiance, especially as like the evening is coming down. We played pretty much right at right as sun was setting and uh, we did more of the laid back uh, acoustic indie folk stuff that night and it just felt great. Um, there was a nice reverb in there and everything like that. So that's another one recently that just went really well, felt really good. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll plug in Fort Wayne here just as like a city we love going back to. I love going back to. I've done solo stuff down there. The band has played down there at several different venues and they're just really good. We always have a crowd. There's just a thirst for local music um, and there's, you know, its own cute little scene down there. So. Mm -hmm. Um, you're listening to City Pulse on the air. I'm here with singer, songwriter, guitarist Adam Drosha, who performs with the group Two-Faced Wilson. Um, in 2018, you were actually included in the Lansing Sidewalk Poetry Project. Um, your poem, Open to yeah. You, was etched out in front of the Windwalker Underground Gallery, which is actually in Charlotte, but you know, it's just a stone's throw away from Lansing. That's a bit of an eclectic place that's a mix of a concert venue, an open mic hall, and an antique art shop. Um, tell me a bit about your interest in poetry and creative writing in general and uh, how you got involved with that project. Yeah. Um, I've always had just a taste for reading and writing. And um, I mean, even before I was picked up a guitar, picked up drumsticks. Like I just was really inspired by my favorite authors and uh, enjoyed creative writing and uh, moved to journalism in college and, you know, my years right after college. Um, but, you know, I've always like kept track of, you know, sort of a private list of projects I'd want to get to eventually. And, you know, being a lyricist and uh, songwriter. Uh, there's there's just this uh, sort of cousin relationship between lyric writing and poetry, and uh, you know people who do both 
really know the difference between the two and sometimes it's ambiguous but you know uh you know sometimes they're just so close it's hard to tell the difference and um i had kind of kept poetry uh you know you know close to my chest and you know didn't really didn't show it to anyone for a long time uh mm -hmm. like i said lyric is, lyric writing is just a different thing you know i feel much more confident sharing words i've written if it's in a you know formal published setting and you know an article is a lot different than you know something like that is like an outpouring of the soul or whatever but um you know lansing just has this brilliant circle of uh poets that um people are finally starting to notice or have been noticing in the last few years and it's been just a really exciting time for the poetry scene and poetry movement in Lansing. There's like a lot of dynamic writers and spoken word poets and you know, you name it. Um, so I kind of got plugged in pretty loosely and sporadically with a couple of those groups like the Poetry Room and mm -hmm. uh, I knew Dennis Heinrichsen because I had, you know, done some articles about him a couple of years ago when he was the inaugural inaugural poet laureate of Lansing, and uh, yeah, just caught wind of this uh, sidewalk poetry thing they were doing, and uh, knew that they were doing it specifically for Charlotte in a couple of spots, and. Uh, I get really sentimental and nostalgic about, you know, our hometown of Charlotte. So I, you know, I hopped on it when it presented itself and uh, made a couple of submissions and uh, the one for uh, Windwalker was selected. Um, and, you know, that, that place has meaning to me too. I was, when they started doing open mics over there. I jumped on it in my first year after leaving college and I uh, have played there a couple of times and really love the folks over there. But, uh, you know, the other spot they had for that competition was at uh, CPAC, the Charlotte Performing Arts Center. And, you know, that was either one would have been exciting because, you know, I have just as many memories really at Charlotte Performing Arts Center as I do at uh, Windwalker, but you know, it was just super cool that the Windwalker poem was. So what are your plans um, in the future regarding Two-Face Wilson? Do you have any aspirations to get into a recording studio and lay down a full length record? Is that a matter of uh, writing some more songs? Do you have the songs for an LP? Um, or is it just more about finding the right studio and uh, cast of musicians? Or is it just yeah. a matter of uh, time? Um, tell me about your plans. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the timing of this is crazy is like, I am actually the space I am at right now is um, a friend's studio space. And I uh, yeah, I'm doing it that this weekend. I'm starting to lay down some tracks for a little EP 
Um, yeah, I'm out in Detroit. That's what I'm doing with my whole weekend. So uh, song-wise, I've got plenty of material. It's, it really has just been a matter of finding the right place and finding someone who's going to match up. And I think I did, so. Mm -hmm. um, when can people expect to be able to hear that EP? Do you have any sort of a time frame you're working with? Do you uh, know when it might be available? Yeah, we're cranking out a couple of songs this weekend, hopefully in their totality. And uh, I'm hoping to have those out where folks can find music, you know, before the end of the year. And then after these couple, uh, we'll do a little bit larger chunk of music. And I'm not sure that'll be out by the end of the year. But um, right now, it's just going to be little by little. A full length album probably won't be in the works um, even by 2022. But, you know, by the end of this year, by and by next year, there will be some completed recordings for people to get their hands on. Well, Adam, I want to uh, thank you very much for uh, joining us here at uh, City Pulse on the Air and talking a bit about uh, your music and your writing. Um, let, uh, let the listeners know where they can uh, check out your stuff with uh, Two-Faced Wilson. How can people uh, check you out and uh, learn more about uh, upcoming gigs you've got? Yeah. Uh, people can find Two-Faced Wilson on Facebook and Instagram. That's where we do a lot of our activity, promoting. Um, you can just keep track of where we're gonna be um, what events we have coming up. We always try to have the calendar um, uh, with the events that are coming up. And uh, there's some videos, there's some clips that we, that I've shared on both of those um, when the completed recordings are done, you know, hopefully where you can find music. So, uh, but yeah, thank you. Skyler and thanks Lansing City Pulse for having me on. Well, that about does it for today's show. I hope you all enjoy the summer weather and steer clear of the horde of mosquitoes. This has been City Pulse on the Air on 88.9 FM, The Impact. I'm arts editor Skyler Ashley, signing off.